You're listening to episode number seven of the Build From Here podcast. And if you've ever considered maybe hunting in what would many would consider as the greatest place to hunt waterfowl, then this is the episode for you because the CGA member we're interviewing this week is Ben Commodore, who is from and lives in Canada. He also guides there as well. So let's dive in. Let's get on the phone with Ben and see what he's got to say. You're listening to the Build From Here podcast, a podcast for the hunter and sporting dog enthusiast alike. Join your host, Joshua Parvin, as he interviews retriever owners and discusses the trials and triumphs that lead to a great gun dog. Build From Here is presented by Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy, online resources to help you train your retriever. Now, your host, Joshua Parvin. Welcome to episode number seven of the Build From Here podcast. We've got a very special guest, Ben Commodore. How's it going, Ben? Good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I appreciate you jumping on. And uh, I've got to say, I'm pretty stoked uh, about this one, uh, specifically for the U.S. listeners, uh, specifically those that are not in a major flyway. Uh, we're going to be talking about some great things. Um, ben, t- tell us tell us where you're from. Uh, so I'm from I'm about two hours east of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, right on the pretty close actually to the Saskatchewan border, about an hour and a half from the Saskatchewan border, um, right in the middle of it all. Oh yeah, uh, I'm, the reason I'm so stoked here is we were talking yesterday. And you were just you're, you're telling me a lot, a lot about the hunting and and how great it is, um, Ben. Before before we get into to that, for those that again, for those that uh, are from the U.S., we're talking Canada hunting, getting after those birds and just pouring in. I, mean, I can't wait to hear some more of these stories. I can tell you, you're going to want to hear them too. But before we dive into that, Ben, just tell me a little bit about you know where. Um, you know, what you do for a living and kind of how you got in, into the sport of hunting. Um, so for a living, I, uh, I work actually currently work on transport trailer refrigeration units. Um, and I also guide waterfowl in the fall. Um, COVID obviously put a bit of damper of that bit of damper on that this year. Um, it's obviously a lot of the guys from the States aren't, none of them are going to be coming up here as it looks, as it's currently sits anyways here in early August. Um, how I got into waterfowl hunting, uh, so I hunted with my dad when I was a kid, actually, and this kind of ties into a question I feel like you're going to ask me about what got me into retriever training. I was my dad's retriever. Um, <laughs> so I, I hope my mother's not listening to this, but the amount of times that I was, I was running out to, to pick up birds <laughs> and hit the deck because there's birds flying over or something like that. Things you should never do with your dog or your kids, but inevitably we did. <laughs> Um, so I, I learned at a very early age how to dispatch a big Canada, um, and, uh, also spent time, uh, hunting ponds and stuff. I actually grew up in Ontario, which is, uh, much further east, more in line, probably with your flyway, actually. Yeah. Um, so we spent a lot more time on water hunts, which we use for our ducks. And then geese were, we're still in, in cornfields predominantly, but, um, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, my dad passed when I was young, so, oh, um, I didn't, I didn't pick hunting up again, passed when I was 11, so right before the legal age in Canada where I could start shooting, uh, which is 12, so I didn't get back into hunting until my early 20s, actually, 
when I moved out west, um, got tied back into it, um, found the passion, found the love for it, and it's just kind of been a run with it ever since, and it's become almost all-consuming. I'm sure my wife would appreciate <laughs> spending the money maybe a little differently, but there's worse habits to have. <laughs> it brings joy and happiness. It's worth every It's worth every bit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what... Um, so going back further, do you, do you remember your first hunt? Was your first hunt a waterfowl hunt or what, what was your very first hunt? Yeah. Yeah. My first hunt would have been a waterfowl hunt. My dad was also a big game hunter as well. Um, and I did go on some of those, but at a young age, I mean, I think I don't remember going on too many of them. And I think it was because my dad probably learned pretty quick that he's got to sit still for X amount of time because of hunting out of a stand. Uh, in the middle of the woods, you got to sit still, be quiet the whole night. That's whereas bird hunting, as we all know, there's a lot of conversations, and you know I can ask questions. I can be involved as a retriever in this instance. Um, so, and I, I one of the fondest memories I have was opening day. He would, I would not be allowed. I would not go to school. He would keep me out. We would go. Uh, we would go or the opening, usually opening day, um, and we would. Uh, sit in the, in the waterfowl blind out in the on the little swamp that we had and i remember drinking some orange juice and and <laughs> and having a, a bite to eat while we were waiting for the birds to come in and uh he would go then in a canoe and pick the birds up that, that he shot so wow could have certainly used the retriever back then yeah yeah that so it sounds like the the idea of a retriever it was sparked pretty early on for you especially if you're running out there after some birds, what was your first experience? What, what did you see a dog on a hunt? Is that what got you interested or just running out there enough started making you think is there's gotta be a better way to do this. Actually, it's kind of come full circle for us. So I had been doing the canoe thing myself and kind of, well, I want to get a dog. I don't know. Um, and I was actually hunting, um, up a marsh that's now about a five minute quad ride away from where we live. But at the time I had lived in Calgary, um, and was down here on a weekend and I right at first light shot a duck, um, winged it. it wasn't the greatest of shot. It hit the water. And for some reason I shot it twice more. And for some reason it still had a will to go and it went into the weeds. And I spent probably 40 minutes, 45 minutes wow. trying to find that bird. Wow. And, Got it inevitably, but I spent all of first light looking for this bird. Um, and then second second thing that came in was a flock of Canada's. I hit the Canada. He left the wing out. He was dead when I hit him. Helicoptered into the weeds. And again, here I am looking for this this bird in this thick cover. <laughs> so I actually phoned my wife when I was done, my now wife when I was done, and, and said, "We're getting a dog. That's it. I've had enough of this. A dog would have picked both of those up. A well trained dog would have got both of those in no time." Wow. Um, so that's what brought home the first dog. And it's just, I mean, I, I've hunted her since in the, in the exact same location. Um, I'll, I'll, and it's what a difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it makes a big difference. There's no, there's no question about it. So your wife, was she on board when, when you first talked to her about getting a dog? I imagine you had been talking about that for, uh, for a while with her. At least that's what I do. <laughs> we, 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 we've had a few conversations, we've had a few conversations about it, but, um, when I called her, I think she just, cause she knew I was a little frustrated because as I was looking for this stuff, I had other birds working my decoy spread that 
I had left the gun sitting where my uh, where my stool was. So um, she, she just, oh, he's frustrated. It is what it is. And I got home and it got a little more serious, contacting some breeders up here, emails back and forth, that sort of thing. Um, and then it was, it didn't take a whole ton of convincing once she saw the puppy photos. Oh, yeah. Um, that gets them. And, and then, yeah, my, the first, my first lab came home, Minnie came home, um, and it's been a huge, she'll be almost four here and it's been a hectic and crazy four years and we're now three labs deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, it sounds like it, they got to you. you just, once you get one, you know, I've noticed uh, a lot of CGA members coming in, you know, here, here before you know it, they're posting up a picture of their second dog. They're wanting another. It, you, when you get one, you've got to have, you just got to have more than one. They're just, they're just awesome. You know? Yeah, you really do. And it's, I had a gentleman tell me once that, that it actually gets easier the more you get and sort of picking up the, the dog poop in the yard and the grocery bill for the dogs. It does really get a little <laughs> bit easier. They look after themselves and they, you know, they play with each other and, and whatnot. And it's, the personality difference between all three of my of my dogs has just been it, it's funny to watch given that they're all related in terms of the same dad and two are actually exact sisters so it's just wow but the difference i guess everybody says it's like kids <laughs> <laughs> man that's pretty cool so your first dog what what uh what was it like the first night you brought that dog home it, the first night was like uh, it took about two weeks before we were really out of that first night screaming. Um, <laughs> it was the first two weeks and it was like both of us, what have we done? What are we doing with ourselves? Why did we do this? <laughs> Stick with the kennel training, but what are we doing? Um, at most, I think I can straight sleep. I got maybe two hours for the first two weeks <laughs> and then she'd wake me up crying. And it was, you know, you go out for a quick pee and back in because you didn't want to start bad habits in the kennel. Um, and yet it took, it took quite a while to, to get her. It wasn't till she had to be it was six weeks was probably when I started to get any real, you know, six to seven hours of sleep a night kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that was my big one with her. I mean, I, I've, I've made the comment. I've always had a big one or a big problem that I've had to work through with, with all three of them. And for many, it was most assuredly the, the kennel <laughs> and getting used to the kennel and, <laughs> Um, but we made it thankfully. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it was, I'm glad that my, my wife had forgotten about that part when it came to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to get that second one in there. So that I understand you know, that that stage is, that's tough. It makes you question everything. Um, you, you really start to think, man, what, what did we get ourselves into? There's no no question about that. No. It absolutely does. And then, and then, uh, you know, questioning why, why are we doing the kennel training? But now that you, you know, you go through it and then you realize and you understand the significance and the importance of the kennel and, and, um, yeah, it certainly was made you question it though. Oh yeah. So that first dog, talk a little bit about your training journey with that one. How, how, so what, uh, what time it, do you know, did you hunt your dog? When, when did you first hunt that dog? Uh, so Minnie again, kind of goes again now, and I've done this twice now and we'll on track to do it a third time with so it, you know, I, but I've kind of, I, all three of them have come home right around Christmas. They were born, um, end of October, beginning of November, and they hunted their first, that first September 8th. Um, when our season opens in the South here, they hunted September 8th 
Now, I did it very, very controlled. Uh, Minnie's very first hunt was a water hunt um, because I knew at that I knew with my training with her on land, we were still having issues with the hold. Now, Minnie, I trained Minnie with more of a like with the force program, not mm-hmm. CGA. CGA wasn't out yet. It and, and I had read books, done all the book reading, and used a different force program that. Um, and we were still having issues with holding a bird, keeping it held. Um, and it was, it was a bit of a fight between the two of us. So I said, well, we're going to do, uh, I want to try the water stuff. I want to see how she does on water. My first dog, looking back on it now, if my second or even the third dog was at where she was at, not a chance would I have hunted him, but <laughs> first dog was excited, wanted to get him out. Um, we had, we had finished all the guns, the gun breaking. Um, so did a water hunt, did really well. Her first retrieve was actually a blue wing teal. Um, brought it back and it was one of those I wouldn't have found it without her kind of deal I wouldn't have been able to retrieve it I suppose in the water Um, so anyways went well that season was a bit of a rocky road Um, I'm actually surprised she's the dog she is today we did about 30 retrieves give or take her entire first year which when I get into the details of Daisy seems like either I didn't hunt a lot or she didn't come and it was the latter of the two she did not join me on a lot of them because I was trying to work through stuff as well. So that's awesome. So while while we're on the subject of birds and and hunting, so you're you're in you're in Canada, and you know down yep. down south down here, everyone you know a lot of people it's kind of the, the dream the goal. Hey, we need to get up to Canada and get on a hunt. What what would you say to people thinking about going to Canada or maybe someone that hasn't even considered that before? What what's the hunting like where you're at? Um, I, I'm assuming a lot of the guys that listen to this and, and girls that listen to this have probably watched the grind at one point or another because of, of the, the SOK dog and, and everything that's in on that. And it's exactly like it is on the TV program. It's, they do a really good job of highlighting what Canada looks like. It's, you're covered up in birds. As long as you've done your scouting, um, we, we hunt the X, so no traffic birds. We're, we're scouting every day, trying to find the X, um, and then acquiring permission. Um, I'd say 90% of my hunting is done on any of my field hunting, uh, is done on, on public or private property where we have to acquire permission. Um, and then any water hunts, you know, a good more portion of it is, is like a dust unlimited marsh or something of that nature. Um, but it, it's, it's incredible hunting up here. We have very liberal bag limits. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and actually, as we had spoken, as we had spoken yesterday, um, they've actually in Canada lifted our pintail restriction, which was our only restriction on ducks. So now we have an eight duck limit with no species or sex restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> they are, yeah. we have an eight dark geese limit. And the only restriction there is that out of those eight, only five are allowed to be speckle bellies. Um, 50 snow geese per day. Um, and then they actually just introduced this year as well, um, a, a sandhill crane hunt and we're allowed to shoot five of those a day. Wow. Yeah. So if you find the right field, you could have a heck of a hunt. <laughs> yeah. It sure sounds like it. It sure sounds like it. And you said you actually do some guiding, um, as well, uh, up that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done some guiding in years past and then this year was, I was supposed to start with a new, outfit but unfortunately with covid we're not going to be very busy i believe we've got about a week or so of, of Canadian resident hunters but otherwise yeah. Yeah, it's not looking like anything other than that yeah but it's a tough year we got to get past all that and get 
get back to it, but I know that won't stop you from getting out there and getting after the birds. Now, your first dog, you did not train through CGA to begin with. Tell me um, your second dog. Let, let's talk about a little about that process. So you had your first dog. Then when did you get your second dog? And then what kind of, how did you find out about CGA or what caused you to start looking for uh, something else? Um, so I got Daisy. Daisy's my second dog. I got her. Um, then he would have been uh, just about two. Um, or well, she would have been two, I guess, at that point because the puppy would have been born. Um, and Daisy came home actually because Minnie has torn or had surgery for both of the cruciate ligaments in her in her knees. So she's had two TPL surgeries to fix those. And doing the guiding, I was a little bit well. I can't expect that dog to you know to be doing you know fifty, sixty, eighty, or even a hundred birds in a morning, depending on how many clients you have in the blind. Right. Um. So we brought Daisy home and part of my conversation with my wife at the time was that at that moment when we were talking about the training and how we were going to do that, my wife was very removed from the from training mini because she was very busy with her post-secondary schooling, mm-hmm. um, completing her master's and that sort of thing. So we were having more in-depth discussion on how we wanted to train Daisy and my wife being a child psychologist. I started talking a lot about positive reinforcement. Um, Absolutely. And I can't quite remember how I stumbled into CGA. It was either an advertisement on, maybe it was the grind or uh, somewhere it came up. HD Outdoors potentially is what the, that other podcast, their podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we, I kind of found it. Got the free preview module. Shoulder, we sat down, really enjoyed it. Um, and so we started to implement the complete gun dog program at that time because 52 plus didn't exist with Daisy and followed it with her. Um, and, and almost immediately I noticed a difference in confidence level. Um, you know, her tail, that tail on that dog almost never stopped wagging other than when she sleeps. Um, <laughs> and she's just, she's so all she wants to do in life is please me and make me happy. And however, you know, if, if even a, a no, giving her a stern no is a correction. I have to be very careful with when, when and how I do that with her because she takes it very seriously. Yeah. And it's, what did I do wrong and how do I fix this? Wow. That's awesome. So that one said so your second dog, definitely a little, even, even more soft, a little on the softer side there. And are you, what, uh, you're running yeah, Labradors? She, definitely soft. Are you running? Yeah, they're yeah. all Labrador retrievers. Can't beat a lab. There's a lot of great breeds, but no. all for the lab. So when so it, working through, so you, you started with a different program with your first dog, and then you decided to roll a CGA. What was some of you know other than your dog responding different differently? How was it different for you as you were starting to to run through the program? I think for me, it also gave me an opportunity to better understand how a dog learns, the thought process behind teaching a dog and teaching versus showing um, that that was kind of the big stuff. And, it, and I felt like it made me, it has made me a better handler um, in the sense that I can, I understand how to read the dog a little better, but I also understand if he's not doing something, what, what is missing? There's something that I'm doing and it's not that the dog is doing, it's that I am doing and how do I fix that? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's just been a, 
it's given me a bit more confidence as well that that um, I can do this. There's two different or ten different ways to, to get to the same goal. This is the one that seems to be working very well for me. I'm really enjoying it, and the dogs dogs speak for themselves in terms of, of the difference that between Minnie and Daisy, like I had spoken about in Minnie's first year versus Daisy's first year, um, which was this past fall, and then she hunted in the spring as well for snows. So how was Daisy's um, first hunt, your second dog? So, with, yeah, so with Daisy's first hunt, um, actually was with a uh, good friend of mine. The, the four of us went out into a harvested pea field. Um, it was the second day of the season. The first day of the season, I took Minnie because I just, I knew I didn't, wasn't going to want to focus on the dog. I wanted yeah. to shoot and just, <laughs> you know, have a good time. And I was like, I know Minnie can handle it. So we're just going to, we're going to go out and have some fun. So the second day of the season, a um, friend of mine found a pea field with some ducks uh, and geese. And I asked, I was invited to come and I just said that, that I would rather put the gun down and run the dog if you're comfortable with that. Um, so there was four of them shooting and then myself in the blind um, running the dog. And it went, it couldn't have gone any better. Everyone was, how old is that dog? How did you find that dog? What are you doing with that dog? Um, and it was, it was just a, an amazing experience that was capped off with, uh, in fact, my first, uh, the, the first time I'd been a part of a hunt where I'd seen a band shot and she brought back a banded pintail. Oh, man. I was like, well, that's my dog. That's she's a band dog. <laughs> um, and then, so Minnie has hunted and guided and has yet to retrieve a banded bird. Daisy is almost two and has, has, has two banded birds under her belt already. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the pintail and then we got a snow in the spring. So. Man. Man, that is exciting. What uh, were you get? Did you get any difficult retrieves on that first one? As as in maybe some? Were you at a, a blind retrieve level at that stage, or were you still just working on marks and 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 things like that for the first hunt for Daisy? We had we had the basic blind down, like to the. I was confident at about a hundred yards, and if it was anything more than that, I would walk out there. And if it was something difficult, um, like if it was um a Canada goose that had landed belly down. Yeah. Um, not at all. Would I have sent her? I would have walked out with her and either let her pick it up just to get it in her mouth and get used to that feeling. Or I would have just gone and got it myself. Um, one of the most difficult ones I would say for a young dog that I was, I, I, I watched it very closely and I, I had one later in the season that I had to call back off, mm-hmm. call her off of, but it was a, a wounded Canada, um, sent her, on it that was the one that was the only one that fell and she was marked it center and ran through it like a linebacker and brought it back no questions asked but i watched very very carefully any sign that that dog that that bird was going to turn on her i immediately had i had the whistle ready and at that stage i knew with her she was very if i called if i recalled it didn't matter in our training if there was a bumper or anything she would come back and ignore what ignore the retrieve and listen to the recall command. Man, that's great. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a very interesting one and a very fun one that I remember. Um, but the, I, I'll tell you that first year, the first year with the dog, I spend a lot more time out of the blind, um, just assisting them just because of the sheer number of birds that fall Yeah, when we're hunting and, and, and you try and set it up as much as you can for the dog. But at the end of the day, you know, guys still want to get out and shoot and, and, I take with the help that I can get and I make sure that I set the dog up for success 
and I'll go out and assist them in finding some of these birds that fall. Um, so yeah, I, I put on a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a really great first season. Uh, I mean, being able to, to be at that level at, at that stage. So it looks like you also learned some experience from working your first dog to your second dog. I love what you're talking about there, especially since we're kind of, um, you know, at this stage of where we're at, you know, someone listening at a later date may not be there, but, uh, as soon as this, this episode airs, we're, we're getting really, really close to hunting season or probably we're into hunting season for some. So it's, um, you know, it's very, very important to make sure that you, that you set your dog up for success, like you're talking about. And, you know, I love what you're talking about there with the, the recall. That's huge. So you, you've got the dog, it, you're talking, you're ready. I mean, this, if the fact that you could call your dog off of that, if you had to, um, and it's, it says a lot, it says you really put in the work, you really laid the foundation properly, which is what it's all, which is what it's all about. And that's, that's just it. And I think that's actually the tie back to another question. One of the bigger things that I found is the difference was, um, focusing on that foundation and, and you know, I see on, on the CGA Facebook group, um, and there's just some questions about when do I start retrieving and, and we'll get into that when I talk about Nala. The three my third puppy, um, I'm following the 52 plus program, but building that foundation and getting that obedience nailed down is so crucial for the health and safety of the dog above anything else, but also for your sanity in the house. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, I, I can't speak highly enough about that obedience and how important the obedience is we all want that dog to go pick those birds up and, and retrieve, you know, for me, I can still see that snow goose this spring coming back in her mouth with the band on it. Oh yeah. We all want that feeling in that moment, but we don't get there without a proper foundation. I know you guys preach that all the time and, and it's, I, I can't back that up enough. It's so important. Got to put in the work it, and it is work. It's not easy, but man, I, I would say when you get to that moment, like, like you're talking about there where it's coming back with a band in its mouth or even, even if it doesn't have a band, but just seeing that dog come back with the, the joy in its eyes, there's not a moment. There's not a moment on earth that's that's similar. It's just a very, very special, very, very special moment. I certainly agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so now your your third dog, you're working through the our program called Fifty Two Plus. Tell me how that's gone so far. Uh, let, let's talk a little about that. It's gone amazing. It's been so. The clicker and treat and running all of that with the place board and not talking and communicating as it, as it is in the early, early stage, it was like, really, what are we doing here? But okay, let's trust the program. Let's trust the system of my wife with her background. Like, yeah, you need to trust the system. Just follow it. <laughs> There's a reason for it. Um, so we're now on, I was looking here this afternoon, we're around week 34-ish. Nice. Had a little bit of changing in shuffling because of um, cold weather with water and getting outside with yet a late winter. Um, yeah. but we're right around week 34. We hammered the obedience for the first six months of her life. Um, it was just, or until she was six months, I should say, um, nailed it down. I think in the entire first, since I owned her, she came home at seven weeks of age. Um, she may have done three to five retrieves up until she was six months of age. We didn't wow. throw bumpers. We didn't do, we and not even in the house. It was, we had two toys we had, and that was it to work through the teething. Um, but it was all obedience and working through 
52 plus the way that you guys have it laid out. Um, and you know, as I'm going through this at one point, I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't done any real retrieving with her yet. <laughs> and just kind of, that's the program. There's, you know, there's a reason for it. And yeah, what a difference. What a, she's, I said this with, with Daisy when she came home that, that her first year, she was miles ahead of her many was her first year. And I'm feeling like Nala is, is either right on par or ahead, um, of Daisy at this current moment. Um, trying to think back to, to that where Daisy was at. Just, this would be just a year ago. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, she's shaping up to be a heck of a dog too. Um, and 52 plus has been fantastic in assisting to get her there. That's great. So you hit the ground. Did you hit the ground running on, right on week seven? As in the, yep. the, when so you brought I the pup had, home? Yep. So I had, I had purchased it the week before I picked her up. So I watched the first couple of modules to get an idea of what we were looking at and what we were doing. Um, and then, yeah, she's been following it week by week, the amount of hot dogs that have gone through this house, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, we've, we've gone through it. Um, and like I say, we're right around, I've actually just pulled this afternoon. I kept a couple of, uh, Canada geese out. Um, I can't kept a can- couple full Canada geese from the season and I have pulled them out, uh, two of them out, um, and placed them in the fridge to start thawing. Um, hoping to work on them this weekend and get her with wings and then working our way into to putting full on bird feathers in our mouth. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's been going really well. And it, it's, I can't see that they're going to, we're going to have any hiccups. Um, just this morning, working on some um, memory retrieves, uh, lining memories. Um, I, we got out to about a hundred yards uh, in the yard here in through cover we're doing 180s we, we're doing the, the lining memories with the, the lining work on the place board and it's just it's right where we're right in line with violet and it's been fantastic man i'm happy to hear that so you you're, man that's fantastic three dogs working through the program now with your your first dog did you did you adopt in some of cga there or did you did you switch midway yeah. through with your dog or did you train it and then come back and revisit CGA with your first one. Um, so mini still, we, we still use, um, one of the callers with her, the electric callers, because that was how she was, she was trained. Um, but I have implemented a lot of the CGA, um, not just the drills, but also kind of the, the methodology behind it and the, the thought process. Um, and, and I've just taken a lot from it, you know, slow down, there was a line that I don't, somebody had said on one of the previous podcasts that have aired that was, um, you, you go slow with a fast dog, fast with a slow dog. And all three of mine seem to be really, really fast. <laughs> so I've really tried hard, go slow, make sure that you're also not just going through the motions with her. Yeah. Um, and, and you're not, to me, I, I've really started to go back off. And I rarely, if ever, do I even turn the handheld device on on the collar for that matter with her. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, we've started to, to adopt the CGA into her training. That's awesome. What would you say? Would you say that's probably been one of the, the biggest lessons you've learned in, in training these three dogs and, and why you're continuing training your third? What, what's probably the biggest thing you've learned? Um, uh, 
honestly, patience. They, they, <laughs> they, it's a cliche thing to say, and everybody says it, but these dogs have taught me more than I will have ever be able to teach them in terms of my patience, what, you know, how to manage that. Um, you know, there was one particular I was watching on, and I remember it very vividly that you had with Violet where she was running around doing donuts around you with a bumper. She wasn't coming back and you just sat there and remained calm. And with the first dog, I would have started panicking. Like, what am I doing? Oh my goodness. You know, whether you're chasing the dog or you're yelling at the dog or you're come back, blowing the whistle or whatever you're doing. Yeah. And now I just, it is what it is. It's not the end of the world. She will give it up eventually. Um, so I think that that's the biggest thing is, is my patience as well as just slow down. And what are you trying to teach? What are you trying to get out of this session? If things are going bad, what's the value of continuing on here? Let's step back, get some success, put the dog up in the kennel and let's just both take a break for a minute. And if it's worth returning to great, but if not, that's just end as long as we got success on the last one, that's just end for the day. Um, and I think that that's the biggest things that I've taken away is just, yeah, like I said, patience and just relax. <laughs> that's, that is, that is so true. It's so hard to do though. I mean, it really is. It is. And the, it's easy to say. <laughs> it's so easy to say. Um, <laughs> Somebody listened to this this morning, the dog didn't recall their puppy didn't recall for them. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's easy for you to say sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's easy to say you got to be patient, but it's so true because what you know the the thing is that what happens if you're not, you know, if you get too frustrated or really, you know, I love the one the one thing I want to really hit on on what you said and really highlight is you know you you said you're asking yourself the question what am I really teaching here what am I really focusing on teaching I feel like a lot of times. Um, you know, for me or really for anyone in, in any situation, when you, you go out there, you've got your agenda for the day, you've got your plan for the day, you get your dog out there and your dog's got it, its mindset for the day. And then when you go out there and if those two agendas clash and your dog completely does the opposite of what you're expecting and you, you fall, you can easily fall into a trap of solely focusing on fixing one issue. So let's just say some issue arises that really is not even related to what you were working on that day. I've seen myself do it before. I've seen a lot of people do this, get so focused in that you spend your whole time training trying to fix this one issue that you never came out here to even work on that day. You know, (laughs) it's so, it's so easy to do that. I, my first one, my first dog, he'll work, he'll work, he'll work. And you'd come out with an agenda and a plan to, we're going to work on blocker trees and marking into cover. But we started, you know, you start doing a little bit of heel work. You know, you're walking from the truck to the setup and you, you end up spending more time working on the heel work than the actual setup. And it's like, okay, we didn't need to spend 20 minutes working on heel work. <laughs> and then, you know, at that point, I'm like, okay, well, I still got to finish what I've set up. So that's another thing that I've learned from CGA is less is more. Um, So I would do 20 minutes of heel work with Minnie and then set her up. And now I'm running her for a half hour of what I've initially set up to do. And looking back on it, it's like, yeah, the dog just burnt out. She's had enough. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you're a new trainer. I'm a new, you know, new owner. And you're just trying to, I want to get the most out of my dog and get them ready as soon as I can. Enjoy the journey. It's fun. It's fun to enjoy the journey and watch the dog learn and get it. 
and yeah. get those successes. Well, that's what it's all about. You've got to, you've got to enjoy that journey. Um, and, but you know, at the same time, I get it. I understand. You know, we all understand that, that you get this dog, yep. you're super excited, but it is, I think, man, what you just shared, there's two super important, uh, important things to consider. Enjoy the journey, take your time, make sure that you, you cover everything right, because nothing's worse than, you know, skipping over some things on un- even unintentionally. You know, most, most of the time someone's not going to skip something on purpose, but if you miss something unintentionally and then you get down the road, you know, for you, you you went through CGA, your first hunt smashed it, just crushed it. But you know, could you imagine, you know, if you had skipped some stuff, you get on that first hunt and your dog doesn't do what you, you planned for, then, you know, that's, that's just a little bit of a disappointment. So you've got to work through those things and not all hunts are going to go like your first hunt. You know, most of the time, a lot, a lot of times the first hunt's going to be a little, a little difficult. You got to work them through it because it's a new area. You've got to work your dog through it. So uh, I do think those, those things are very, very important. Now you said your wife is a child psychologist. Has she helped with the training at all or does she more of just, or the, or the dogs more of her, her pets and her buddies? Um, she certainly helped, uh, with Daisy actually, um, at the time I had started a new job right when we were getting into, um, more of the, the, the heel work as well as, uh, the hold conditioning. Um, so she actually did both of those with Daisy, um, while I was at a, out of town during the week. And, uh, yeah, so she's had that involvement. Um, and then with Nala, she's helped, um, we just wrapped up our going through not too long ago, going through the uh, shotgun introduction and she helped with that. Um, as well as, you know, she'll, she'll bird boy for me, but nice. we've had some record rainfall. So the mosquitoes and the mosquitoes seem to love her even with <laughs> bug spray. So she's, uh, she helps when she can, when she can. Um, but she's trying to, between trying to finish her, her doctorate as well as working full time. She doesn't get as much time with them as I'm sure she'd like to. Oh yeah. But uh, she joined actually last year, joined me on her first hunt. Uh, really? And yeah. And, and we had Daisy with us actually. And she was like, Oh my, okay. Now I get what you're like putting it all together. <laughs> she, you know, she's seen it in the yard and on TV and stuff, but to actually live it and see it and experience it. Oh, I get it. Yes. <laughs> Man, that's that's awesome. So she's it sounds like she's going to be back out if she gets the opportunity in between work and and going for this degree. Yeah, yeah, I think we're we're hoping to get her out um, a couple times. We the group a good group of guys that I hunt with. We seem to the last two years, so we're hoping to go three years here. Um, have kind of made our Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in the middle of October. Mm-hmm. We've kind of made that a a hunting weekend, and and our place now to be the hub for it just given the, the central location to the field um the guys crash here um she cooks up a meal wow. while we're out scouting on the friday night she'll cook up we come home from scouting to duck poppers and i think she had potato skins and all that sort of stuff finger food nice. we ate we were up at three or four o'clock in the morning out the door she came with us uh and and it's kind of turned into our thanksgiving hunt which we've all we, we already a few of us have already started Hey, are we doing that again this year? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that tradition going. I love it. And I love incorporating the family too. You know, a lot of people ask it's, that if, Hey, can my dog work with, you know, can it, am I the only person that can work my dog or can some of the other family members work the dog? So clearly, uh, we know that's the case, but it's always nice to hear that 
that you're out there actually doing that and, and incorporating the family. Yeah. And I mean, I've had instances where, you know, I'm, we had one this past year. I had to move vehicles because we had them parked wrong in at the edge of the field. We needed to move them because we thought that maybe the birds were flaring off of it. Yeah. And I left, uh, I left Daisy with the guys and, uh, yeah, she, they had some birds come in while I was moving trucks and, uh, they, they, she responded to them, get, you know, commanding her, you know, releasing her to go pick birds up. And they had a blind retrieve. They set her up because they seen me run them with her. No problems. That's awesome. So I think it's important in that sense as well to, you know, get the family involved, get everybody involved as much as you can. You know, if you've got kids, I don't, but if you've got kids, have them as a bird boy and, and get your wife involved as well, because you're going to need her to sign off on the next one. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta, gotta make that work. You gotta, gotta make it attractive. But when you see those pups, it's it's hard for anyone to turn down the the little puppies. They're they're beautiful. They they just do something to you. What would uh I would what would you say to anyone thinking about either CGA or number one and in, in general just getting a dog and maybe considering training it for hunting? What what would your advice be? Make sure you have the time and the desire to actually go through with it all. Cause there are some days where it's, you know, you're tired, you're coming home from work, the dog needs to go outside and you've got to do some training with the dog or, and or exercise the dog. Cause that's another critical component to these. These dogs are athletes. Yeah. So they still need, you know, they need to be trained, but then they've also got to get, um, their, their stimulation in, in terms of their athletic and their physical side of it as well, outside of just retrieving. Um, so make sure you're committed to that. But when you pick the pick a program and, and you know, CGA would has my vote. Um, if you're going to pick a, pick the program, stick with the program. There's a, there's a reason for it. And it's laid out the way that it is because it works. And it's, it may not seem like it in the moment on that week or, you know, for two weeks, reach out, ask for some help, uh, get some opinions, get some advice. There's, and there's no such thing as a stupid question when it comes to the retriever training world and asking for some help and some guidance. Um, but I, I, I think just make sure that you have the, you know, your dog's not going to be a master level hunt test dog at nine months of age or a year or two years of age necessarily. Don't compare your dog to somebody else's dog. Work the dog in front of you and just be committed to it. Well, that's, that's, that's awesome. Very well, very well said. That's, um, it is work, but it's definitely, definitely worth it. And so I just take that advice to the bank, listen to it. It, it means a lot. Make sure that you, you listen to what Ben said there. Very great. You know, Ben, with that said, we, we understand it's a lot of work. Tell us in closing, is it worth it? What, what was that feeling like your bet, your best moment? Was it the band? Was it the, the, the bird coming back with a band was that was that it um i mean the bands are fun we don't get them very often in in alberta um i think for me it's just the it's the every time the dog does something that and every hunt's different every retrieve they make is a different retrieve and no no one individual retrieves is any less special to me because I know what's gone in behind the scenes to get the dog there. Yes. Um, I think the, the part that's inspiring for me is a couple of hunting buddies now have dogs that this year, um, and they've been training, uh, CGA members, um, 
and they're getting ready to take their dogs on their first hunt this year. Oh man. Um, and I've been, you know, helping them through texting and, and, and phone calls and we're starting to get together here now and do some training days before the season. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of their, their dog's first retreat. They've been a part of mine and now I get to be a part of that for them and witness the look on their face and the excitement and the joy that they get from that. And I think that's the part that hits home for me is that, you know, my dogs have been able to inspire others to go get their dogs and to train their own dogs. Um, and now they're about to experience this for the first time. I think that's probably the, the big thing for me. Man, that's beautiful. That's, uh, man, that's awesome. Exciting that you're gonna, that you've, you've grown the sport. You know, we all love this sport. We all want to grow it. We all want to make it better, but nothing's better than, than getting some friends involved and encouraging them to, to take the leap. So Ben, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you hopping on for this podcast. It's been a pleasure and, uh, thank you for sharing so much great information and your story. Very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Josh. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Build From Here podcast. To learn more about retriever training or our podcast, visit cornerstonegundogacademy.com slash podcast.